chapter twenty of the splendid outcast by george gibbs this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by tony oliva freedom meanwhile destiny was at her loom weaving with careless hand the american and french armies were moving closer to the rhine but the infantry regiment to which harry horton belonged lay at chateau d'ix awaiting orders there harry went upon the morning following the return of barry quinlevin from ireland upon his breast he wore the croix de guerre but in his soul was a deathly sickness the inward reflection of the physical discomfort with which he had awakened the prospect that lay before him was not to his liking the period during which he had been out of uniform the weeks of secrecy of self-indulgence and abasement had marked him for their own and unfitted him for the rigorous routine of discipline that awaited him and so he faced the ordeal with a positive distaste for his old associations aware of a sinking feeling in his breast that was not entirely the result of his heavy potations while in paris he felt the burden of his failure and a terror that he would not be able to live up to the record jim horton had made for him there would be no more fighting perhaps but always beside him there would stalk the spectre of his military sin of which the medal at his breast was to be the perpetual reminder on the train down from paris the medal and its colorful bit of green and red seemed to fill the whole range of his vision d the thing he tore it off and put it in his pocket and then somewhat relieved sank back into his seat and tried to doze but his nerves were most uncertain every sound even the smallest seemed to beat with an unpleasant staccato upon his eardrums and he started up and gazed out of the window trying to soothe himself with tobacco that helped but he knew that what he wanted was stronger drugging whiskey or brandy needed it indeed to exorcise the demons that inhabited him and the thought of the difficulties that would lie in the way of getting what he craved to-day to-morrow and the long days and nights that were to follow still further unmanned him before moira had left for nice he had given her his promise to report for duty fit and sober and he had put his will to the task aware that the first impression he created with his colonel was to be important it was for this reason that he did not dare to open his valise and touch the bottles hidden there because he knew that one drink would not be enough to soothe either his nerves or the dull pangs of his weary conscience that he had a conscience he had discovered in the house in the rue charron when the desire of m tricot and le singe 
to put jim horton out of the way for good had brought him face to face with the evil image of himself he hated his brother jim as much as ever because he was all the things that harry was not but the plans of quinlevin which seemed to stop at nothing not even moira herself now filled him with dread and repugnance his nerve was gone that was it his nerve his nerve but arrival at regimental headquarters restored him for a while his colonel gave him a soldierly welcome fingered with some envy the croix de guerre which harry had pinned on his breast again before leaving the railroad and summoned harry's major whose greeting left nothing to be desired and for the moment it almost seemed to harry as though he might be able to put it over but the next day was difficult he managed a drink early and that kept him going for a while but they gave him his company in the morning and from that moment the intimate contact with those who had known him began a lieutenant he had never liked a sergeant who was a psychologist and a familiar face here and there associated unpleasantly with the long weary days of training and preparation until the regiment had been worked up into the advanced position but his long sickness in the hospital and his unfamiliarity with recent orders served him well for excuse and the croix de guerre upon his breast served him better a corporal and a sergeant with whom in the old days he had had nothing in common each of whom wore decorations came up to him saluting and reported that it was they who had carried him back to the dressing station from the rocks at boissiere wood he shook them by the hands with a cordiality which did not disguise from himself the new terror and when they attempted a recital of the events of the great fight in which they had shared he blundered helplessly for a while and then cut the interview short pleading urgent affairs then too there was the nasty business of the wounds he hadn't any he was scatheless he had tried the ruse of the adhesive tape on moira with disastrous effect here the result of the discovery of his unblemished skin would prove still more disastrous and so at once he discouraged familiarity kept to his billet and attempted with all the courage left to him to put through his daily round with all credit to his new office but it irked him horribly his supply of strong drink did not last long and the thin red wines the only substitute procurable were merely a source of irritation and there were others in his company of whose approbation he was not at all certain there was the sergeant who had had the platoon that had been caught with his own in the wheat-field there were four or five men of one of his own squads who had been close beside him in the same wheat-field when he had been taken ill and they had left him face to face with the grinning head of the hated levinsky and there was the late levinsky's own buddy weil who had sometimes shared in harry's reprobation 
while annoyed him most perhaps with his staring fishy eye and his hebraic nose so similar to that of his lamented tent-mate while had been in the wheat-field and his heavy face seemed to conceal a malevolent omniscience the large staring eyes followed the new captain of infantry inquisitive accusing and contemptuous whenever corporal weil came within the range of harry's vision their glances seemed at once to meet and hold each other and it was the captain who always looked away weil's fishy eye fascinated and haunted him he saw it by day dreamed of it by night and he cursed the man in his heart with a fury that did nothing for his composure one day as harry was making his way to mess he came upon corporal weil standing at ease just outside his billet the man's eye seemed more round more fishy and his demeanor more contemptuous than ever the last of the whiskey was gone harry horton's heart was behaving queerly within him and muscles with which he was unfamiliar announced their existence in strange twitchings the breakfast coffee would help in the meanwhile he glared at corporal weil his fists clenched what the h do you mean by staring at me all the time he asked weil came to attention and saluted in excellent form i beg pardon sir i don't understand he said why the h do you stare at me i didn't know that i did stare sir yes you did cut it out it annoys me but corporal weil still stared as the regulations demand looking his captain squarely in the eye and the captain's gaze wavered and fell when i'm about he ordered you look some other way understand yes sir i understand said weil saluting again as harry turned away but still staring at him and harry felt the fishy stare more than ever omniscient more than ever contemptuous in the middle of his back all the way down the road to mess but he had just enough of self-control to refrain from looking around at the object of his fury and at mess a disagreeable surprise awaited him in the person of a medical who had just joined the outfit the new captain had barely finished his coffee when he found himself addressed by the officer a major who sat just opposite him at table how are you captain horton asked the man cordially extending a hand across didn't recognize you at first how's the head harry stammered something i'm Wilby looked after you down at neuilly you know oh yes said harry of course glad to see you again major things were a bit hazy down there eh yes rather said harry delicate operation that touch and go for a while but you came through all okay delusions thought you were another man or something oh yes said harry faintly but i'm all right glad to hear it how's the head fine no more pains no delusions no sir i'd like to have a squint at the wound presently if you don't mind 
interesting case very harry rose suddenly his face the color of ashes sorry sir he muttered i've got a lot to do now later perhaps and then without a word took up his cap and fled incontinently from the room there were but two other officers present but they stared at him as he went out for the conversation across the table had drawn attention hm, remarked the major into his coffee cup surly chap that considering i saved his life croix de guerre i see yes sir said a lieutenant just joined up worried maybe not much worried about me apparently said the major harry went straight out to his billet locked the door of his room and sank on the edge of his bed the situation was horrible this man of all men who had seen jim horton through the hospital suppose out of professional curiosity the fool came nosing around was welby now with the regiment harry cursed himself for the hurry of his departure would the man suspect anything hardly but harry couldn't take a chance like that again a second refusal of the major's request would surely make him an object of suspicion and the wound in the shoulder there was none d them all why couldn't they leave him alone he couldn't face the thing out it was too dangerous already he had had enough of it and yet what was he to do yesterday he had thought he read suspicion of him in other men's eyes they seemed to strip him naked those hundreds of eyes to be gazing at the white uninjured flesh where his wounds should have been all this in a week only and what was to happen in the many weeks to follow if this fool welby had come why wouldn't there be other men of the regiment of the battalion who had been at the hospital at neuilly also they would catch him in a false statement force him into a position from which he could not extricate himself and then what the major the colonel what answer could he give them if they asked to see his wounds to harry's overwrought imagination the whole army seemed joined in a conspiracy to bring about his ruin to go about his work seemed impossible but to feign illness meant the visit of a doctor perhaps welby himself he would have to go on at least for the day and then perhaps he would think of something resignation a transfer to some other unit he managed to put through the day still wondering why men looked at him so strangely was there anything the matter with his appearance in the afternoon the youngest of his lieutenants approached him kindly hadn't you better take a run down to the hospital sir he asked you look all in harry stared at him stupidly for a moment oh i'm all right just a little stomach upset the youngster saluted and disappeared and harry went back to his quarters there was no wonder that he looked all in he hadn't dared to go to the mess table since morning and he hadn't had a drink since yesterday tobacco had ceased to have the desired effect upon his nerves he felt like jumping out of his skin the thing couldn't go on he was all in 
a short leave of absence which might give him time to pull himself together meant being gone over by a doctor it meant showing his scarless shoulder impossible there was only one thing to do to quit while there was time before the truth came out the more he thought of his situation the more clearly this course seemed indicated to disappear silently in the night it could be managed and when he didn't come back perhaps they would think that the wound in his head was troubling him again and that he was not responsible for what he did or that he had met with foul play they could think anything they chose so long as they didn't guess the truth and they could never learn the truth unless they examined his body for the wounds but they would never find him to do that if he ever got safely back of the lines he had managed it before he could do it again now because he wouldn't have to trust to blind luck as he had done back of boissiere wood the more he thought of his plan the more he became obsessed with it at any rate it was an obsession which would banish the other obsession of the watching eyes it was the dark he craved the security and blessed immunity of darkness darkness and solitude he wouldn't wait for the ordeal of the morrow tonight and so driven by all the enemies of his tortured mind and planning with all the craft of a guilty conscience he arranged all things to suit his purpose passing beyond the village with the avowed purpose of visiting a friend in another unit and then losing himself in the thicket he travelled afoot all night using his map and making for the railroad at st couvreur and in the early morning breakfasted at a farmhouse telling a story of having lost his way and craving a bed for a few hours sleep he was well provided with money and his host was hospitable he slept a while awoke and no one being about searched the house for what he sought he found it in a wardrobe upstairs a suit of clothing which would serve and leaving some money on a table made off without ceremony into the thicket covering a mile or so in a hurry across country when he found a disused building in which he tore off his uniform and donned the borrowed clothing leaving his own including its croix de guerre under a truss of straw it grew dark again but he did not care in a village he managed by paying well to find a bottle of cognac his cares slipped from him nothing mattered not even the rain his soul was set free he paid for a good lodging and slept warm inside and out purchased the next day a better suit of clothing and then boldly boarded a train for paris it was extraordinary how easily his liberty had been accomplished they would look for him of course the m p would bustle about but he had given them the slip all right and they would never find him in paris paris for a while and then a new land where no questions would be asked curiously enough the only human being he seemed to think about to regret in what he had done was moira 
his thoughts continually reverted to the expression on her face the night that jim had surprised them in the studio its agony its apprehension so nearly depicted the very terrors that had been in his own soul he remembered hazily too that she had been kind to him when quinlevin had left him there to watch her and he had finished the bottle of irish whiskey then too again in the morning she had awakened him and started him upon his way back to his post while the expression of her face had shown that she was trying to do her duty to him even when her own heart was breaking she had had the thought that even at this last moment he still had an opportunity to make good he felt that moira his wife in name only would know the pain of his failure quinlevin would sneer jim would shrug but moira would weep and pray in vain he had cared for moira in his strange selfish way permitted quinlevin to use him for his own purposes hoping for the fortune that would bring ease and luxury for them all and with it a glamour that he might turn to his own account and win the girl to a fulfilment of their marriage vows but jim had dashed the cup from his lips jim his hero brother now like himself an outcast so there were to be two of them then after all it served him right d him harry horton found a malicious pleasure in the situation if he wasn't to have her jim shouldn't either he wasn't going to give his brother the pleasure of reading his death notice in the morning paper he harry horton would just go on living whatever happened and he knew that without the evidence of his death moira would never marry again he had gathered in a cloudy way the general meaning of the visit to the duc de vautrin at nice and had wondered at moira's consent to go with quinlevin on such a mission after what she must have heard that night but he had been in no humor to ask questions the next morning and knew nothing whatever as to the prospects of success for the undertaking it looked very much as though with jim horton in on the game the mission was dubious and yet quinlevin might succeed if he did there would be enough money to stake harry in a new life in some distant part of the world this was the price that they would pay for immunity and harry would go he knew now that moira was not for him she had settled that matter definitely the night when he had come in drunk from the rue charron he reached paris and lost himself in montmartre avoiding the old haunts there he found new acquaintances and many bottles to soothe the awakening pangs many bottles moments of lucidity how long would it be before moira and quinlevin returned to the rue de tavennes he would have to sober up things weren't bad at all now what difference did it make to any one but himself what he did or what he became it was his own life to do what he pleased with and it pleased him to do what he was doing with it he laughed 
at the amusing inversion good joke that but he would have to go down to the studio in the rue de tavennes and talk things over no use quarrelling with quinlevin everything amiable and friendly number seven rue de tavennes if moira wasn't there he'd go in and wait her studio his too perhaps a little of the irish whiskey and a doze End of chapter 20